Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to another edition of Head of the Pack, Week 17 edition, coming to you from the Lambeau Field Press Box at 1.43 a.m. Central Time. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. Packers 37, Vikings 10. Sean Mannion, now I know why when I asked Matt LaFleur a couple days ago, does he have to maybe go back in his 2017 coaching notes from when he was Mannion's offensive coordinator with the Rams? He said, no, I don't have to. And I was kind of joking with the question, but he was very serious with the answer, and now we know why. Because Sean Mannion's not very good. Um, Stinks, The Vikings, <laughs> The Vikings couldn't do anything on offense. And the Packers, as, have, as they have uh, made a habit of this year, kind of don't show up in the first quarter, blow teams out in the middle of the game. And this time, as Devontae Adams touched on after the game and has touched on uh, in recent days and weeks, Packers need to finish the deal and blow teams out. They kind of let teams like the Ravens and uh, the Rams and the Bears get back in these games late and make it interesting. Even the Browns last week. But tonight, the Packers blew the Vikings out 37-10. It wasn't close after the second quarter, or really during the second quarter. And Green Bay has clinched the number one seed. The lone playoff by home field advantage before the Super Bowl. Their third straight season with a playoff by under Matt LaFleur. And the first team in NFL history with three straight 13-win seasons. Pretty damn good team, considering all the injuries. Um, I know we'll get into the injuries later because Rodgers, um, some revealing comments there. Look, these guys are not going to lose the rest of the season. If Aaron Rodgers throws for 288 yards and zero interceptions like always, Adams has 11 for 136, and the running backs combined for, what, 200 total yards? If that happens the rest of the year, forget about it. They can just, might as well just crown them, right? But Crown man, them, yes. Crown them, but man, the Vikings. Good heavens. Delvin Cook, 12 touches, 13 yards. That run defense, much better, much better run defense where you don't have to worry about the quarterback. Hey, Matt? Schneidman stats and info, um, nothing like Huber stats and info, but I did do a little digging on pro football reference and Dalvin Cook's yards per carry average of 1.4 tonight was his lowest in a single game since November 18th, 2018, when he ran nine times for 13 yards, nine times for 12 yards against the Bears. Tonight he ran nine times for 13 yards. So just barely, but um, listen, there was no deep threat, no downfield passing threat really. So the Packers could key in on Cook um, when he got the ball. I mean, Mannion still threw the ball a lot. It's not like they just handed off to Cook. And listen, it's not like you said. It's not hard to stop a running back when there's no threat of the passing game, really. 
but it's Dalvin Cook. And last year, he ran 30 times for 163 yards and three touchdowns against these guys. And he took a screen pass 50 yards for a touchdown here at Lambeau Field. Tonight, they bottled him up in the passing game, three catches for no yards, and they stopped him in the run when they had to. And for a team, a Packers team, that is, that had allowed uh, six yards per carry to the Bears three games ago, five and a half yards per carry to the Ravens two games ago, and 8.8 yards per carry to the Browns last week. There was no reason why Dalvin Cook couldn't take over this game, or, or so we thought, but Packers' run defense played played really well. Uh, I thought they tackled really well. Last week, Matt LaFleur said it was their worst tackling performance of the season. This week, I thought they were very sound in tackling. They've tackled well all year. I thought that last week was just kind of one of those games. Um, you're right. I forget. I, I believe the last three weeks combined, they gave up six and a half yards of carry, which is a yard and a half worse than any team in the league. A yard and a half. Um, and you're right, Matt, because last year, I believe Cook got the ball on 32 of their 47 snaps from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew Cook was going to get the ball that game. It didn't matter because Cook ran wild. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's worth putting an asterisk on it. Well, a small asterisk. A very but tiny I, I, one. A, a, a tiny. I, I you give these guys credit where it's due. They played very well in all phases. I mean, even the special teams are good tonight. Other than you know some kickoff returns. Well, the the shank punt wasn't very good. Oh well, that's true too. And and <laughs> oh, sh- I, we should just ended out this entire segment. And Bahorka's <laughs> dropped a snap on a field goal or that. Well, goal. he got it right. He fixed that's, it. Yeah, he got it down. So other than all those things. Yeah. All right. I mean, I guess I'm just looking at the punt return was pretty good for once. David Moore. I mean, Rogers said we'll take a little detour here. Rogers said that he met David Moore on the sideline. Um, And I asked Matt LaFleur after the game. I I know he's not going to give us anything substantial, but um, if there's like an actual competition between him and Amari Rogers now, because David Moore, you know, he's only had a couple punt returns, but he did have the longest punt return of the season for the Packers, 21 yards, and he drew a 15-yard penalty after it. Amari Rogers' previous high on the season was 17 yards. LaFleur said there's always going to be open competition at every position. He's always going to say that. But, you know, just from the eye test, David Moore looked a lot more comfortable back there than Amari Rogers has this season. As he should, he's a veteran. He's been around the block before. But I wouldn't be surprised if, this wasn't his first and last, if this was his, sorry, if this was his last time, if I was good with words, I'd be a writer. <laughs> it's late. Uh, if this was his last time returning puns, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it again. Uh, first and foremost, hope Amari Rogers is doing fine health-wise. He's on the reserve COVID list, but it'll be interesting to see what they do uh, in Detroit next week in kind of a game where they have that freedom to experiment with a couple things. Yeah, I don't see any reason to go back to Amari Rodgers. No, no disrespect to Amari. Maybe in time it's going to be good, but this is a good football team, Matt. And to me, just don't screw things up, right? Just it's, catch the football, and he did. He looked really natural catching the ball. It was their longest punt return since 2018. Ooh-wee. So, I mean, he caught the ball well, made something happen. You know, you even if it's just fair catching every time. I mean, you just, you just don't want to get in the way. And I thought, again, this is a guy who returned punts fairly successfully in Seattle in 2019 and 2020. So this is a guy who's been there and done that and um, and done it in big moments as well, which is, do you, do you, want, do you really want to trust Amari Rodgers, who 
A's rookie and B hasn't played in those big NFL playoff games like Moore has. I wouldn't. So I'm shaking my head right now. I know you can't see me for everyone listening, but I agree. I, I would stick with David Moore um, for the time being. We were talking about Dalvin Cook flipping sides to the Packers running backs. First time since 1980. I don't know if you know this, Bill, but that is 42 years. I'm using my fingers and toes right now. That the Packers had two running backs in the same season, both eclipsed 1,000 total yards. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I looked this up just now. So there are three teams with two running backs who have uh, both over 1,000 total yards from scrimmage. It's the Cowboys with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. The Broncos with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And the Packers with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. The Cowboys running backs, or Elliott and Pollard, have 2,293 total yards together. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones have 2,292. So they're one yard shy, and there's a real argument to be made that the Packers have the best running back tandem in the league. You saw, we've said it before on here, but there's a reason they drafted A.J. Dillon. They knew they were going to lose one of Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones. They wanted A.J. Dillon to become the 1B to what has now become the Aaron Jones 1A. And for the first time in his career, Aaron Jones runs for 25 yards on a run more than once in a game. A.J. Dillon pounding the rock, making guys miss at the goal line. This is the, I know both of them can be both thunder and lightning, but this was the lightning of Aaron Jones and the thunder of A.J. Dillon that the Packers need in these late season, cold weather Green Bay games that that Aaron Rodgers talked about tonight that they haven't, you know, didn't really have last year. Um, aside from that snow game, I guess. I guess he meant the playoffs. But this is what two Green Bay running backs look like. Packers can win a game like this. Obviously, they can win a game with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, but this is wearing teams down. And A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones showed tonight, as they have a lot this season, why they're so valuable as a tandem. Yeah, Jones, 106 of total yards. Dillon... 83 and two touchdowns. That that first touchdown, they say the low man wins. It was amazing watching him get through that pile. Yeah. He is like practically it was, he's almost crawling. He's he's by far the lowest guy sneaking his way through there. He's it's like the guy's got a real feel for it. He's not just this big bruiser. The guy's got a real feel for as much as a 247-pound man can get skinny and small. He's got a real knack for it. It was funny because Elton Jenkins, uh, who's out for the season with that knee injury, has been live tweeting during games, and he tweeted a gif of a snowplow plowing through snow, and the caption was 73, 76, 62, 70, 79. That was the caption, the five numbers of the starting offensive lineman because that first touchdown run from A.J. Dillon, man, they pushed that pile. Like you said, it, it looked like he got stopped. And I tweeted back at Elton Jenkins. I said, I think 89 deserves to be in there, too. And Elton Jenkins responded. He was like, you're right. You're right. Definitely on that one. But team, Lazard's in there, too. Lazard's in are, there, too. Those guys are – I wrote this at some point of the week. Those guys are always in every successful run. Those Lewis and, and Lazard are always in there. Always. And I would argue Dylan was even more impressive on the second run. Bounced off a couple bodies. And he didn't even go down. He stayed up. I mean, that guy is just so hard to knock down. And it's maybe his yards per carry. It's impressive, but maybe it's not 5.5. But A.J. Dillon will often get you two yards when you need one, 
four mm-hmm. when you need two. And those runs maybe aren't designed to get six, seven, eight, nine yards. You just need three or four to get the first down, wear down a defense, take their soul away. And that's what he's so good at. Yes, they've had a couple times this year where they've run Dylan out of the shotgun on third and one and don't get it. I think it was twice in the same game. I forget which game it was. But he's so good at getting just a little more than than you need. And that takes the will away from an opposing defense if you do it time and time and time again. Aaron Jones, five catches for 30 yards. A.J. Dillon, two for 20. I mean, these guys are affecting the game in a lot of different ways. And it's going to be tough to stop them if they keep this up in the playoffs. I haven't looked in a while. It was a few weeks ago I looked. Green Bay had the best short yardage running game in football. These guys have been bad forever. Even even when Eddie Lacy was here, they weren't really good at third converting on third and one. And they've been really good this year. And obviously Dylan is a part of that. And you know, the, the, the bunch of backups on the offensive line. John Runyon had a pancake on on Runyon or Runyon's second. He had a pancake on Dylan's second touchdown run. It's pretty effective considering it's no Bakhtiari. No Corey Lindsay going back from last year. No Elton Jenkins. What they're doing is is pretty remarkable. And maybe they'll get some of these guys back. Bill, you know who's pretty good at football is Devontae Adams, I would Unstoppable. say. Unstoppable. Ooh-wee. I mean, I remember Connor Hughes, who covers the Jets for us, when they came here in uh, for joint practices this summer, Connor came over to the Packers' side of the uh, – practice facility uh, complex they have over there across the street from where we are right now. He just wanted to watch Aaron Rodgers warm up. He was like, this is this warm-up throw is different than anything I've ever seen. Sometimes we forget how second nature it is to be watching this stuff every week. But this is one of the all-time great quarterback wide receiver dudes. Not just right now in the NFL. They're the best yeah. in the NFL right now. There's no argument there. But all time. Some of these throws that they make look routine – are so hard, and Rodgers places it in a bucket, tight coverage, Devontae's hands are impeccable, all he needs is the slightest bit of separation. It's really incredible, and and he had eight catches for 118 yards and a touchdown at halftime. They kind of really didn't go for him in the second half. He finished with 11 catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. That's just another day at the office, and he kind of sleptwalked through the second half. He only had Three catches for 18 yards in the second half. I mean, it's just another day at the office. Uh, Adams set the franchise record for most catches in a single season. He needs 23 more receiving yards to set the franchise record for most receiving yards in a single season. He has nine touchdown, eight touchdown catches against the Vikings in his last four games against them. And here's a stat I find very interesting. With the amount of receiving yards he had tonight, well, Devontae Adams entered tonight, I should say, third among wide receivers since 2016 in receiving yards, trailing DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. He passed both of them tonight. So now, since the year 2016, the last six seasons, Devontae Adams ranks first among all wide receivers in receiving yards, catches, and receiving touchdowns. Damn, that's pretty good. That's... If you're the best... If you have... Those numbers over an extended period of time, you're a Hall of Famer. Yep. 
I know Julio a- Jones obviously dominated the league for a couple years before that, but Devontae Adams, especially with the slow start he got off to in 14 and 15, these last six years have been nothing short of remarkable. You know, that's what Rodgers mentioned. Um, I think it was to your question. Yeah. yeah, it was to your question on a Wednesday when he asked about Hall of Famer, and that's exactly what he said. If, if you're the one of the best one or two or three guys in the league over a, you know, a few years, you're a Hall of Famer, and he's uh, he's on four years now of, of being fantastic. I mean, he's like lapping the field in touchdowns. I want to yeah. say he was plus 11 coming into this week's game, so it's he's you know got to be somewhere around there now. I think he's there. He's 11 more touches than anybody in the league. That's insane. Mike Evans caught one today, and he was in second. I think okay, it was yep. six, 68 to 57 entering today. Yep. Evans caught one. Adams caught one. So I think it's 69 to 58 now. Nuts. In the last six years. Crazy. Adams is now, what, second in touchdowns this year? Touchdown after he had like three in the first nine games. And he joked. I I asked about their red zone a few weeks ago, and he mm-hmm. joked about getting to twenty. Now he means he's not going to get to twenty. He have to get nine touchdowns next week, but <laughs> it's uh, it's 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 not a coincidence that the Packers' offense the last six weeks has has been as good as any in the NFL because Adams has gone nuts in getting in the end zone, which he had not been doing for the first you know first half of the year. And Bill, I, I wrote earlier this week that Devontae Adams, you know we should be having this Hall of Fame discussion. And some people were like, oh, same numbers as Sterling Sharp through the first whatever years. Sterling Sharp's not in. Here's a stat. Today, Devontae Adams became the sixth receiver in NFL history with at least 600 catches, 8,000 receiving yards, and 70 receiving touchdowns in his first eight seasons. The other five are, four of them are already in the Hall of Fame. And then there's Larry Fitzgerald, who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Marvin Harrison, Larry Fitzgerald, Devontae Adams. Numbers speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, Sharp's a Hall of Fame player, but he gets penalized because of the injury. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the way it is. And now his, his Hall of Fame candidacy is over. He's a seniors committee guy now. And the seniors backlog is just, you know, 20 miles long. He's Sharp's got no chance of ever getting in. So I, I understand what fans are saying just the way it is. But Devonta Adams is a surefire Hall of Famer, and he's getting to be he's getting to be first ballot Hall of Famer at this point. He he is as he's as good as it gets because he's he beats you short, he beats you long. He doesn't have to be I mean, those back shoulder passes today from oh. Rodgers. I mean, he's oh. not open at all. I mean, Chris Boyd has tremendous coverage. It makes no difference. None. But he beats you short, long, deep. He gets those short passes, and he just he finds this extra gear. Um, it's like nobody wants to tackle the guy when he gets that extra gear going. He is he is a phenomenal all-around receiver. There's nothing he does not do at an elite level. And he'll get a chance to watch this, watch this transition I'm about to have. And he'll get a chance to do it all at an elite level for at least part of next week's game because the Stars are going to play next week. Aaron Rodgers said he's going to play. Devonta Adams says he's going to play. Matt LaFleur says his gut feeling, at least as of Sunday night, said those guys and probably some others, you know, Aaron Jones, maybe some, eh, I would expect, they don't really have any offensive linemen to put in besides the starters, but... I'd expect guys like 
Well, the Kenny Clark kind of has to play too. I don't know. Maybe it's just Rodgers, uh, Adams, and Jones. But you get the point. Those guys will play at least a little bit, LaFleur said. Um, it was interesting. Rodgers said he doesn't think he needs to play, but he's going to. And he said today was the first game since he injured the toe. Um, first game he played with the fractured toe was week 10. So it's been 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, seven games now on the toe. I think I did that math right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this was the first game it's gotten through unscathed. He thinks he's going to be able to practice twice this week, probably. Uh, There's a good chance. And he said the toe should be back to 100% at some point during the playoff bye week. So that's a good sign. As long as they get through Detroit unscathed, uh, the toe should be fine. Not that it matters. I mean, he's been lights out with the toe. Sure, it's probably more comfortable for him. But seeing the way he's scrambling around, he might just be lying to us about this toe for for a good storyline. I mean, he's playing unbelievable football. Clear MVP favorite going into tonight. Didn't do anything to decrease his odds. Uh, the Colts lost today. Jonathan Taylor. The Bucks barely beat the the, the Jets. Tom Brady had a decent game. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to win his fourth MVP, barring him throwing 19 interceptions in the first quarter against the Lions next week. He has 35 touchdown passes and two interceptions since week one. That's incredible. Um, I'm just looking at a fan duel right now. Rodgers minus 400 to win MVP, Ooh. Brady plus 550. Yeah, and and everyone else is just basically off the board at this point. So it's Goodbye. it's a route. Again, this is this is Vegas stuff. It may not necessarily run in parallel with what the voters are going to do, but it's 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 getting to be out. I mean, it's just so lopsided production-wise at this point. Rodgers entered this week leading the league in touchdown percentage, interception percentage, passer rating. What more do you want? Nothing. Nothing. So it seems like it's open and shut. Then he, everything we've talked about in the past with injuries and it's just, yeah, I, I just can't imagine how he doesn't win it and maybe in a landslide at this point. He's finishing fast. Brady is not. And Brady lost Antonio Brown today. Oh my God. God, can you, can you imagine covering that shit show? Jesus. That was crazy. We, we don't need to get into that now, but um, look at this stat. And, and I bring this up to say, why in the hell would Aaron Rodgers want to go play in any other division besides this one? From ESPN Stats and Info. Hold on, where is it? Come on. Where the hell is this stat? I'm scrolling through my Twitter feed. I, I got to stop tweeting so much. What the hell? Where is it? You're just going for the Twitter likes. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, so the last two seasons against the NFC North. That was great podcasting, by the way. Um, last two seasons against the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 36 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Dang. That's crazy. That is insane. I mean, and they're eight. So six, six, and a, 10 and two against the NFC North the last two years, 36 touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, you just figure at some point you're going to get a dumb luck interception, you know, where it's going to deflect off a receiver's hands or maybe it gets tipped the line. It's just one of those stupid ones that happen. That's crazy. It's insane. I mean, I know there, we can get into this later. This will probably be on an off-season episode, but the, uh, the whole franchise tag extension situation with Devontae Adams and 
how it correlates to Aaron Rodgers thing. We can save that discussion for another time. But for now, let's get into some reader questions. How about that? Oh, by the way, another betting line, the Packers plus 400 are now the favorites at BetMGM to win the Super Bowl. Chiefs are plus 500 because the Chiefs lost to the Bengals today. Well, I, you know, it's, just, it's Mike McCarthy has those guys in a, in a really good spot and they just throw up all over themselves. I mean, yep. The Cardinals had sucked for the last three weeks. They lost the Lions by 20-something. Or I guess, I guess it was 18. And that's the thing, Bill. We, we've talked about this. The Buccaneers had the letdown against the uh, Saints a couple weeks ago. The Cardinals lost to the Lions. The Rams have had a couple of them second half of the season. The Cowboys had one tonight. The only team without a real stinker, aside from week one, is the team we cover. And that makes you think that this year, more than any other years, because they had the letdown against the 49ers in the regular season two years ago, Buccaneers in the regular season last year, this year just feels a little different in terms of, okay, they, they got the bye like they have the last two years, but you didn't really feel that they were that much of a favorite in the NFC the last two years. This year, I feel that they are. Yep. You know what helped these guys get to the Super Bowl, Matt? This is a good, this is a good transition, too. If Zadarius Smith comes back, that's what John P. wants to know. If Zadarius Smith isn't going to play, why is he on the sideline and getting a number of pundits, Collinsworth, Thorne, Rappaport, saying how great it would be when he comes back? Aaron Rodgers mentioned it today, too. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting how Rodgers mentioned it. He said he didn't think he was speaking out of line when he thinks there's a possibility that they're getting those four guys, those four guys being Zadarius Smith, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, and Josh Myers back. Rodgers did say definitively that Randall Cobb will be coming back for the playoffs. Might even play this week. I don't think he will, but he'll be. Randall Cobb will be back for the playoffs. Matt LaFleur was a lot less optimistic, it sounded. He said, you know, earlier in the season, I was... I thought these guys would come back. Now it's just more of, I'm paraphrasing here, now it's just, if they do, great. If they don't, we'll go with it. But Bill, then comes the question of, what's better? You know, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary in the playoffs, or is it Arius Smith who hasn't played since week one, even if Z's, uh, you know, just a third down guy? Or... What's better, Yash Nyman, who's been playing really well, or David Bakhtiari after not playing in a year? What, and what's better, Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes playing really well, or Jair Alexander, who hasn't played since week four? What's better, Lucas Patrick, who's been playing really well, or Josh Myers, who hasn't played since week six? Like, yeah, these guys are really good players, but how much can you just drop them in, in a playoff game? Like, mm-hmm. you'd... And with Zedarius specifically, I know that's what John P.'s question was about. That can free up a lot of money against the cap if you cut him this offseason. Yep. Sean Gary and Preston Smith are a damn good edge rusher duo. Yeah, it's it's like they've run out of time, Matt, which is what you're getting to. Yep. In a perfect world, they would play next week. Yes. I mean, in a perfect world, they'd play tonight. But in a perfect world, they'd play next week. But... Zadarius hasn't practiced. He's not going to. There's a 0% chance he plays next week. Jerry Alexander went on the COVID list today. So by my math, maybe he can practice on Friday. He's not going to play next week, right? 
Bakhtiari's been shut down twice. He hasn't practiced in two weeks. Even if he does practice this week, he's not going to play mm-hmm. on Sunday. And you mentioned Josh Myers. I have no idea why you'd ever put him in the lineup at this point. For Rogers Patrick. didn't that, even, that's, me- that, that, that didn't no even mention Billy Turner. Right. So it makes no sense to bench Patrick just because, he, what, what, I mean, what has Josh Myers done? So now you're going to go into the playoffs. Yeah, maybe you could put Zedarius out there for 12 third down snaps. That seems feasible enough. Maybe you can get Jair as your, you can take the Kevin King dime roll to break in for 10 or 15 snaps, maybe. But but you're right. What's better, Yash Nyman or David Bakhtiari? And as absurd of a question as that is, yeah, I just think I Yash Nyman's, you're better about it this way. It's, I know. It seems like, I can't believe I'm saying I take Yash Nyman, but he's started five weeks in a row now. Next week will be six. I agree with you, Bill. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's a it's a reasonable question. Right. So if they're not going to play next week, they're not going to play at all. I mean, why why would you bench Yash Nyman for Bakhtiari at this point? Because at, at no point will Bakhtiari have any quote-unquote preseason snaps or, or shake off the rust, whatever you want to call them. Right. That... that that ship has sailed. So, Rodgers seemed Rodgers seemed beyond optimistic that those guys would all be back. It was almost like matter of fact that I think you know I that I'm not speaking out of turn. I think they're you know I he seemed like super encouraged by it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe. And that leads into a good question from our, our good friend at GB Schultze from Germany. Order you believe players on coming back. I would say Cobb. Yeah, I'm saying in terms of likelihood, not you know time. Cobb, Alexander, Bakhtiari, Smith. Those four. I'll do the main four. Yeah, Cobb and Alexander by a mile. It's like you can't. No one. It's the gap is (laughs) wide. I'm trying to gesture, but shit, no one's gonna see me. It's a wide gap. I, I just don't. I just don't see Bakhtiari coming back. Yep. Good question from Matt Pickett. Um, Beat writers generally aren't fans of the team, and I think that's a good thing. So for you, what's it like reporting on such a successful season for the Packers? It's a good question. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Packers. Um, I grew up a diehard New York Giants fan. I'm from the New York City, Connecticut area. Um, I was a diehard New York Giants fan all throughout high school and for the first part of college. And yes... When the Giants beat the Packers several times, I was a young teenager cheering my ass off. But covering the league has made me pretty objective. I would say wholly objective. I don't care for the Giants anymore. And I root, I know it's the corny journalist thing to say, but I root for the story. And you either want to cover an absolute catastrophe or a resounding Mm -hmm. success. And when I covered the Oakland Raiders for two years, they were the former. They were a catastrophe. Jack Del Rio fired himself because Mark Davis didn't announce it. Jack Del Rio stepped to the podium in the last game of the 2017 season after the Raiders lost and said, Mark Davis just fired me. Martavis Bryant was suspended. They traded Khalil Mack. You know, John Gruden wasn't even in a meeting when it was determined that Reggie McKenzie was going to be fired midway through the 2018 season. I mean, that is a catastrophe. There is nothing like that. I mean... Granted, all the off-season stuff with Rodgers. 
essentially what I'm saying is you want the team you cover to be relevant for good or for yeah. bad. Packers are always relevant for good. And what's enjoyable about, enjoyable about this Packers season is there something different to write about every week? It's either a special teams disaster or Rodgers playing amazing or Adams or, or the running game or Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas. Like there are so many good stories on this team. And we talk a lot in the press box, you, myself, the other writers, what are we going to write about this game? And then Aaron Rodgers goes and tells Soldier Field that he owns them. And, you know, things develop here and there. Rasul Douglas gets another pick six. Like there are so many good stories beyond just the main ones. And it's made covering this team a lot of fun. And I know you guys give me a hard time since you guys have families here and you rightfully want to spend more time with them. But I'm 26. I want to cover a Super Bowl. So <laughs> maybe it'll happen this year. Yeah, we are we are blessed because when your best players are your best talkers, yes, man, that's just hitting the lottery. I mean, tonight Rodgers and Adams talked to us for what thirty seven minutes, thirty eight minutes combined. Gold, every single quote. This is a, this. I mean, he's just great. You know, Aaron Jones is one of the all time nice guys, and AJ Dillon is super quotable, and you know, Preston Smith is super quotable. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're very fortunate here to and, have, and that's not even accounting for some of those injured guys. David Bakhtiari is incredibly quotable. Jair yep. Alexander is incredibly quotable. Zadarius Smith was during the 2019 season, not so much last year. But you know, I, I there are beat writers around the league. You talk to beat writers, and there aren't really that many teams who can say their best players are by far and away their best quotes. I mean. There's no better situation than Rodgers and Adams. And right. this will probably be announced soon, but we vote every year the local beat writers on the Tom Mulhern Stand-Up Guy Award given uh, in the honor of the late Tom Mulhern to the player or players who best represent cooperation and professionalism with the media. And this year, there was the first unanimous winner in the awards history, a very deserving winner. And you'll uh, see who that is. You can probably already guess who it is by the way we're talking about him right now. <laughs> Yeah, he that guy's damn good talker. I mean, it, it's 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 that those guys listen to your question and then give you something good. It's not the cliche nonsense. You know, yep. God bless Matt Lafleur. He talks to us fifty eight times a week, but it, it, you know, he just gets into cliche speak because you know what else yeah. he got to say after that? Outstanding. Hey, Bill, the way you walked <laughs> to the press box today was outstanding. <laughs> Matt, I I I took a video of my computer the other day to you guys and sent it to you. I typed in the word the letters O U T and my word just fills in outstanding <laughs> on my computer. It That's just his buzzword. My heart. That's his buzzword. But All yeah, right. we're 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 extremely fortunate to have guys who listen and will go the extra mile to give you something. I'm not even sure what the question was, but that's what we got for you. From Joe O'Keefe, which has the best chance of negatively impacting the Packers in the playoffs? Tampa Bay, the Rams, or COVID nineteen? Tampa Bay, I still Tampa. think. I mean it does as much as people want to make jokes about the Antonio Brown situation, and he's not a good person, but it's kind of sad. He clearly has mental health issues, at least it seems. And he's a really good football player, at least when he wants to be. And that's a big loss for them, especially since Chris Godwin is out for the year with a torn ACL. Mm-hmm. The Rams, obviously, uh, Matthew Stafford... I don't know what's up with him, but they obviously have the weapons with Michelle and Beckham and Cooper Cup. Um, but COVID-19 might be the answer here. 
the Packers are fortunate because their two best players, this seems silly to say and probably wrong to say, but Devontae Adams doesn't have to test again until after the divisional round of the playoffs because of the 90-day exemption that players who test positive get for not having to test after that positive test. Aaron Rodgers does not have to test until after conference championship weekend. And with the new protocols in place that players who test positive only have to quarantine for five days, that's why you saw guys like Mercedes Lewis and Corey Bajorquez uh, and Tyler Davis and Oren Burks play today because of that new protocol. Now, is it possible Devontae Adams tests positive the Thursday before the uh, NFC Championship game and misses the game? Yes. Is it possible that Aaron Rodgers tests positive um, the Thursday before the Super Bowl and misses the game? Yeah, but you know what? I think Roger Goodell would push the game back. <laughs> if I mean, that would be something interesting. Uh, I hope For his health's sake, I hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't get COVID. But man, what would Roger Goodell do if Aaron Rodgers had to, quote-unquote, miss the game because of COVID? God, that would be unbelievable. Um, NFL yeah, you know, ain't having a Jordan Love Super Bowl, I'm telling you that. No, you know... It- to your point, I mean, Kenny, Kenny Clark's had it. So he's one of your so he's top good players for the in defense. He's good for De- the season. Yeah, Devondre Campbell tested. I mean, you're, they have had, to your point, a lot of their key guys have, have had it. And A, based on testing schedules, and B, just based on the science, suggesting that your antibodies will probably get you through, they're probably good to go. Mm-hmm. Next question from that Ranger dude. Is David Moore for real? Or am I just too hyped seeing any kind of positive yardage and actual <laughs> catching of the football on punt return? That's a fair question. Like we said earlier, you know, Amari Rodgers, which might be understandable for a rookie, punt ret- returning punts is not easy. And he always seems skittish, indecisive. David Moore seemed very certain. And, you know, he got quote-unquote blocked or the – Vikings guy got blocked into him by Eric Stokes. I didn't think it was, but he's making plays. He had the 21-yard return. Um, Maybe we're spoiled or not spoiled. Maybe we're just jaded by watching Amari Rodgers all season, but Moore looked a lot more certain, confident, and he ripped off a big run. So uh, Matt LaFleur said he was really impressed by him. He said Moore was outstanding, but that doesn't mean anything anymore. And like we talked about, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some real thought in that special teams room as to who they want returning punts in the playoffs. Uh, but I, I do think that if Amari comes back for, for Week 18, Week 18 will be a, a good trial run before the playoffs to, to give them another, another little bit of a sample size for what they want to do there. You remember 2019, Matt, when they brought in Tyler Irvin mm-hmm. semi-kind of late in the season? He really just provided a huge jolt for those guys. Maybe. Maybe lightning strikes twice. I turned to you in the press box today and I said, David Moore is going to return a punt for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, isn't he? Like, <laughs> it's just the way this season's going. Dennis Kelly stepping in, playing great. Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell. Now this David Moore cat, who the starting quarterback just met on the sideline before the game. That, That's that, nuts. that is what makes covering the Packers fun. It's not... It's not we can only write Aaron Rodgers is the MVP and Aaron Rodgers is great so many times. But it's getting to tell the stories of a Rasul Douglas who comes off the Cardinals practice squad and back at Nassau Community College, he had to save his McDonald's dollar menu orders because 
he didn't have a meal plan or a scholarship or enough money to afford too much food. And now he's a pick six machine. Like it's those stories, the complimentary ones, even as good as the Adams and Rogers and Jones stories are and have been this season. Um, the more, the more great stories, the better. Let's do a couple more before we wrap it up. A lot of Rogers MVP questions. Uh, I think we touched on that already. Did he wrap it up? Yes, I would say so. Let's see. More impressive run defense or special teams from Manti Golf? I would say run defense because, like we talked about, once you really think about it, special teams, the Bajorquez punt, the bobbled snap, even though we got it right, a um, couple re- uh, kick returns for the Vikings, you know, out to the, around the 30 yard line. So maybe. We're fawning over special teams a little bit because three things wrong is better than 19 things wrong like we've seen (laughs) in games before. But um, run defense is great. Holding one of the best running backs in the league, regardless of who's at quarterback, regardless of who's on the offensive line, to uh, 13 yards on nine carries, that's really good. Yeah. um, I think Mason Cross has made 22 in a row now, by the way. Obviously, it's including extra points. They're figuring it out. Yeah, and I, I, I thought it was big that after the drop snap that they came back and, and, and nailed the next one. I, I kind of was wondering if there'd be any you know, PTSD, for lack of a better term, from Crosby saying, oh, shit, here we go again. But no, they, they nailed the next one. So, yeah, they're, they're turning the right way. All right, close it out with a good one from a loyal listener. You know who it is. It's a great question. From Cecilia Bugface, would you rather be chased by a gorilla, tackle A.J. Dillon in single-digit temperatures, or cover Devontae Adams one-on-one on the goal line? Um, I don't want to be chased by a gorilla because it would probably kill me. Tackling A.J. Dillon in single-digit temperatures also has the potential to kill me because I am 175 pounds, 6'1", and built like a cheese stick. Um, I would cover Devontae Adams on the goal line. I mean... If I tried, it would break my ankles, but I would just, you know, fake trying, get beat like many NFL cornerbacks are. The other two would do serious physical damage to me. This one would not really do any damage to my ego because it won't hurt my ego if he does the same thing to professional cornerbacks who are paid to cover him. If I'm not paid to cover him, I'm covering Devontae Adams one-on-one all day. Absolutely, because you can fall on your ass because he faked you out so bad, and you can just look at your cleats. I slipped. I slipped. I had him and I slipped. Get your get out of jail. Yeah, be, I'm not. I'm not going to tackle AJ Dillon. Screw that. Yeah, I'd be a dead Hell man. No. You, have a new, you'd have a new co-host in the podcast, man. <laughs> uh, no, we would have no hosts on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we could both get him down? No. No way. Bill, did you see it took three Packers defensive backs to tackle a 300-pound center who somehow caught a Franco Harris immaculate reception awesome. tonight? That's like us trying to tackle A.J. Dillon. Adrian He's a Amos, nice guy, though. Maybe he'd take it easy on us a little no, bit. No, we wouldn't take it easy. Adrian Amos went from, oh, that's I just lit Tyler Conklin up to, oh, my God, I have to tackle a 300-pound center hauling ass toward the end zone right now. Imagine what's going through his head. One of the great plays of the year. Yeah, I, 
I, I know you want to wrap it up. But I do have one from Jacob Westendorf here. I, and I was going to ask you this anyway. How long would you play the stutters next week, Matt? You are now Matt LaFleur. How long would you play those guys? A quarter. Okay. Maybe if they only get one drive each in the first quarter, maybe a half. But I don't see any reason to risk injury. Maybe let Devontae break Jordy's record. Let Rodgers, you know, get a couple touchdowns for the MVP. But it's too risky. Give him a little bit to get in a groove. Give it like a, a normal third, not a Packers third preseason game because starters never play, but a normal third preseason game where starters play about a half. So I'd say a half. Final yeah, that's all I was thinking too. Yeah, a half. And then you get Jordan Love coming straight out of the locker room into the game rather than having to come in midstream. That seems to make some sense to me. It is an interesting spot though where LaFleur's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Yep. He doesn't play those guys and they come out rusty and he gets blamed for for giving the guys a half a week off against Detroit, or he plays to win and someone gets hurt and he gets bitched at there too. It is an, obviously a great spot to be in, but it's a, it's a tough spot. It is. We'll see what they do. I don't know if I'm going to Detroit. I currently have a flight. Hopefully there's in-person I'll access there. so I can go to Detroit. I want to go. Let's see if I can convince my bosses. But for Bill, I'm Matt. The lights are still on at Lambeau Field, which is... Yeah, they always, the they're always they're always off by now. Very interesting. 2.27 a.m. We will talk to you guys next Sunday night in what is a relatively meaningless game. But we get paid to watch the Packers play football, and you will never hear us complain about that. Well, you might sometimes, but probably not a lot. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. That's how you end a podcast.